2: and shop for anything outdoors. When you make a purchase from the Go Wild store, everything is free shipping. Anything that you purchase anywhere in the country, no matter how big, free shipping. So go down to the show notes, click on the Go Wild link at the bottom, and get signed up today. And let's go wild. Today on The Journey... We're going to dive back in to a topic that we've hit on throughout the last year. Um, I think it's like it's the hub. It's where everything starts. And we're going to talk about breeding again. Um, You know, as you guys know, the journey is about making us better, the hounds better, our experience better. And, you know, I think it starts with breeding. It it starts with our choices, Um, how we raise the puppies and stuff goes, you know, it just filters on up. So I have been lucky enough to grab a hold of a guy that he writes for Project Upland. He's written numerous articles, and he's got a bunch of titles behind his name, but I'm going to let him tell about himself so I don't butcher it, because some of the stuff I can't even pronounce. But we have Jason Carter from Topsom, Maine with us today. Jason, how's things your way?
1: Oh, man, it's great. Yeah, you know, it, where I'm from, from the Northeast, where it's normally really cold, but it's beautiful out right now. Don't need to go south; the warm temperatures come up to us, so it's it's been really nice lately. And uh, we're just finishing off with the hunting season, and uh, we're starting to move into uh, we're out of bird season, moving into um, start chasing some fur. Oh. Uh, throughout the, for the next few months. And so before we get into back into training season, so things are really well right now. Uh, happy new year.
2: Ladies. Yeah. Happy new year to you. Um, yeah. So last weekend it was minus, minus two here, which is, it gets that way, but it doesn't get that way often. And this yeah. weekend it is actually, it's 64 degrees outside right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we went from a Arctic freeze and yep. losing power to babe, everybody's running around in t-shirts now it's like summertime so hopefully know. you'll have <laughs> some put of that the weather fire
1: out front and uh, we sat around the fire in the sun and the dogs just kind of cuddled up against the ground and they they they, they were happy to be we were all enjoying the weather because we know reality's going to smack us in the face here not 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 long <laughs> yeah it's not
2: yeah you're you are probably in for <laughs> y'all's winters last what till about april
1: yeah, we we usually have a bunch of snow our, our largest snow snow accumulation is March and April.
2: Yeah, that's what I thought.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. Jason, tell tell the listeners
2: um tell us who you are, what you do, and just a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. Um my name's Jason Carter. I'm from uh from uh, Thompson, Maine. Um that's Southern Maine. Um I'm a NAVDA Judge North American Versatile Hunting Dog Association. Um I, I do. I'm a clinic leader. I'm also a member of the, uh, North American Deutsch Kursar association. It's the German club, breed club for the, um, for the German, uh, short hair, um, for DK and a DKC. Um, I'm also a pro trainer at Meramine kennels. And, um, we, uh, do a bunch of, um, training locally here in Maine and, uh, I I also we do a little bit of breeding. We're 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 a small family run organization, uh, um, kennel that uh, that um, we we aren't big time breeders, but we are we do breed for our next hunting dogs, and that's you know we're 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 proud of and we produce what we believe are really good uh, hunting dogs for for serious hunting families.
2: So, what do you do for a living?
1: I'm actually a TZ teacher by mm-hmm. trade. Yep. And um my side hustle is for sure, um um hunting and mm-hmm. uh yeah.
2: I think we're all that way. I think I work so I can pay for my, my hobby. Well it's not a hobby, it's a lifestyle. But oh, yeah, it, sure. it supports my lifestyle. <laughs> yep. But yep, I have yep. found that the older I've gotten and I'm getting that the more work's getting in the way of life, like come on, man, I just need, I need another week <laughs> off or I need to take another trip. So yeah. no, here, yeah. I need a raise and I need more vacation. That's for sure.
1: Yep. So yep. it's your
2: kennel that you talked about. What, how yep. many dogs do y'all keep there and, and what type of dogs are they?
1: So we have um, both, uh, we have two lines. We have the German hair and, and the uh, DK, which is the German variety of the German hair that is controlled by Germany. And and um, their 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 mission is four man function. Um, so you know the DKs are fur driven high drive dogs where um, the other the other is the German short hair which is also a German short you know, comparably to the NADKCs, is which the Cursor is German short hair in German. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're both German short hairs, but one one is um, controlled a little, little tighter than the other. But so we have two lines that go through the kennel that are very um, um, high drive dogs that we try to put into um, really good hunting homes.
2: Right. And looking at the picture of the, the DKs, they're a little bit yeah. coarser haired, aren't they?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, every 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 breed, as you know, has, has varieties, but um, yeah. So I mean, they're 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 designed to um, do both feather and fur, where um, a lot of the German Shorthairs are just just upland dogs that just chase chase feather. So it, it's 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 for, for us, we we do um, blood tracking in November, mm. the track down game, yeah, and we do we do rabbit hunting uh, late season.
2: So when when you're saying fur, that's what you're talking about—is the the hair?
1: Yeah, blood dragging and chasing okay. hairs. I got you. So, yeah.
2: w- Jason, what like how long have you been running? How long have you been full with dogs with that type of experience? Yes. And what got you into um, the ha- the well, not the hound, but what got you into the yeah. dog world?
1: Yeah. So my grandfather um, is an old uh, cat hunter. And he, he chased cats um, his entire life and brought my father into it. Um, they got into both cat and, and bear hunting. And then my father went into the military and took on um, bomb detection. He had one of the first heroin dogs in the country um, in the Air Force. And then he got out of that and then was given two German short hairs. Uh He loved, he, he was passionate about hunting. Um, from the get go. And so he tied into short hairs, became a NAB judge, He's now today a senior judge, uh, clinic leader, and uh, he, he started the Merry Meeting line. And so I came on probably in my uh, mid to late late 20s. I started uh, starting my own um, breeding and training of, of professionally training um, short hairs and other breeds. And then I've been training now for about I don't know, twenty one years, twenty two years. Uh, and, um absolutely loving it and just just absolutely obsessed about it. But as a hobby, um, where where you know, like you said, it pays 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 for the for, for the playing, right?
2: Right, that's right.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: so you're so you're actually out of your the kennel that y'all are running, you're you're yeah. actually you actually have your own line that you've started.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um my father brought in a DK and he started a line and then he gave me um um my first male and and I developed that dog into what I believe was a really good hunting dog and so I've I've been breeding um that line ever since and have gotten some good dogs out of it and been enjoying that realm. And um, of course, of course they they help us along the way. I mean, they've been breeding uh, must be since the early seventies. So they've been breeding a long time in their, in their line. So they're, they're um there's a lot of reputation in the German shorthairs as far as where they originated. But then I would say late, I believe it was the late eighties. He got into the DKs and got his first dog. And we've been, we've been playing with the DKS ever since. And, And it's just interesting where, where he started, you know, and and based on this article, you know, I mean, when he started his first dog, it was very, very, very soft German short hair. He was given them and, and they had definitely some issues, but he started somewhere and, you know, growing up, we had, we had, actually he had Limearaners to start with. Oh yeah. (laughs) A funny, a funny story with where he started, which, he got away from riders but he he, he he took our our Weimarrer hunting. He, for for us to get our our ducks and our duck retrieving, it would have to get the dog wet, but the dog didn't want to get in the water, so we'd have to wait out in the water and put the dog in the water. And once it was wet, it would go get the retrieve on every single retrieve. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So we so we started with them, and then he was getting two short hairs, and and um, we've we've kind of chased that ever since, and he's developed his line to to be to become pretty good. Um, as far as the GSBs go, pretty good line is, and his wife actually, my mother, uh, Patty Carter, has taken over that as the the head person as far as um, breeding goes, and my father's run with the DKS.
2: Huh. So, this is going to lead me to two questions. Sure. I want to, not, I want to talk, how did you get into the judging part? And because yeah. you're a judge for the German club,
1: and I've had several... No, other, not, not a judge for the German club, just for NABSA.
2: Oh, okay. So, yeah. but the DKs are coming from the German descent, correct? Yes. And do you have to meet a standard to even breed those dogs?
1: Yeah, that that's that's a great question because, yeah, so... So what's, what's very interesting about the NADKC is that they, they do form and function. Yep. So, so those dogs have to not only meet a certain standard, but they gotta, they gotta meet that standard and also have, I mean, the talent standard for, for, for upland, you know, they have both fur and feather that the dog has to meet, but then it has to um, also have the structure to support it, which is, which is very important, you know? In in Navda it, it's a testing organization that that um just requires the dog to, to meet a certain talent level.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so the NADKC is is really really great organization because every dog that has been stamped for breeding approval has met both standard in talent and in function and in and in structure.
2: Right. And are yeah. are you getting your your mates, whether it be male or female, are you getting those stateside or are you having to get to go overseas or how's that working?
1: For for, for for us we're we're mostly stateside. You know, we, we outbreed. We don't line breed. Mm-hmm. So we're we're pulling in sires um, that are side. Um, not not that we wouldn't go overseas for sure if, if if we were connected to somebody, but um you know, you get you get it's you know when you're breeding it's who you know and when you talk to breeders every breeder myself included is a car salesman that's in love with what they have right mm-hmm. you know we, we we love we love our dogs right. and we love what we have and we think we have the best you know so so it's interesting when you start as a breeder start reaching out to folks that have good dogs you know i mean are, are, are you are you talking to your neighbor who lives three three miles up the road or are you you you're reaching out to a variety of dogs all over internationally, if, if possible, you know, to find the right breeding, you know, and and that takes some resources that takes who, you know, and, you know, talking to people that may be not connected to the breeder that knows the breedings. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a real process to get to, to breed the right dog to the right dog, you know, and in the end you're trying to breed, if you believe your dog is correct, and it has everything it needs to be breed both form and function then you have got to find the matching pair that's going to support that you know and there's a lot of information that goes behind making that final decision to either breed or not to breed you know which is a tough decision
2: yeah which is we're going to get into that in just a second sure. um sure. back to the judge so what got yeah. you in the judging and how long have you been doing that
1: yep um my father's my father was um judge for many years he's um my 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 judging number is like twenty thousand six hundred fifty nine. his is 12 oh wow (laughs) yeah (laughs) so he's been in a long time and 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 i just absolutely love um nabda and what it represents and the people behind every in our chapter and all the other chapters and it, it was just a natural thing for me to get involved because of what my father did you know, to get involved in judging and kind of chase that dream. And once I got involved with it and, you know, started meeting people like-minded people from different chapters across the country, it's, it's been, it's been a labor of love ever since.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, too, just from some of the articles that I've read that you wrote, you know, you want to better the breed and, you know, it sure. takes, it takes a, it takes structure. It takes dedication um, and, well, and the commitment and, I, you know, I see that from what you're writing, which is what intrigued me to start with. Um, yep. That it, you know, again, the journey's a process; it doesn't happen overnight. You know, stuff takes time. Rome wasn't built in a day. Um, so that's kind of what led me, you know, in into your to some of the stuff that you, that you had wrote for um, Project Upland. So yeah. let's get let's talk about the article and 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 sure. talk about the breeding. You know, the article was. Basically, how to make a tough decision to not breed your dog, which we all know that that's um, that's a touchy that's a touchy conversation to have, especially uh, with people that you're not close to, and even if you are close to well, them, it's it's still you know may cause some hard
1: feelings. Oh, oh man, I, I can't. It's that's a hard, that's a narrow balance beam to walk, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's a soul searching endeavor to, to, to get away from the idea that you're not going to preach your dog. Yeah. You know, if you think about any dog, I mean, your dog, my dog, what does it do all day long? It just sits there and it watches you and it studies you and it loves on you and it is ingrained, you know. In every aspect of your life yep, it, it's, it's no different than your children you know in a lot of aspects and so when when we when we get to the point where we want our next dog when we believe let me ask you a believe, question before you do that yeah,
2: but, what led you to write this article like what what was going what was the process what happened did something come up what led you to it
1: okay full transparency yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, Oh boy. So I was, um, I, I was in a a relationship with my girlfriend and she has a, I'm not going to say the breed, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but she has a dog that I believe she shouldn't breed to. And yeah. So what happened was I, I started going down the road of like, I would talk to anybody else. I'm like, well, first of all, you need to understand a number of different things about going into this breeding. Um, what is it that you like about this dog? What is it that you don't like about this dog? Now I've had two years of training this dog. And so I, I've had, I had some background that I had to, you know, try to negotiate, have the conversation with about why to breed or not to breed. And I had some real reservations because we had some hangups in our training, mm-hmm. you know, when it, when it came to retrieving. And, and there were some temperament issues in the dog where the dog would soften with any level of pressure of training. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was, it, I struggled, um, having this conversation with her. I didn't, I didn't initially have it. I was wondering like, okay, well, how do I tell her? I, I don't think this dog should, breed. you should breed this dog. Or let's have a conversation on why you should breed this dog so so the the inspiration for the article was this this balancing act I was playing of of you know and I'll be honest, you know both in me and with her, you know, I wasn't sure myself on on where if i I think she should breed it or shouldn't breed it so so i i we had lots of conversations around it, and so yeah, it was a tough conversation to have with her i mean once that once I broached the conversation and I had that response. I backpedaled. I, I, I couldn't go backwards fast enough. Ah. I dug such a deep hole. And and, and, and I started having some real feelings. Okay. Well, well, am I right in this conversation? So I started questioning myself a little bit about the breeding and, you know, providing some questions for her and kind of leading, you know, and we guided ourselves into, eventually we got into yeah, I I think we should breed this dog. But the the inspiration for the article was based on the idea that I was really struggling trying to convince her that she shouldn't breed the dog initially. So when you said soften, and I'm just, this is the
2: trainer part coming out in me. Was this a genetic issue or was this a developmental
1: issue? You know, and that's an important question to ask. And, And we were bouncing around with that exact question because is it, uh, temperament is the, is the nervous system genetic in the dog. Where you're you're saying, okay, there's not. If we breed this dog, we're breeding a problem into another dog that we're hoping will water it out. Mm-hmm. As you and I know, that 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 doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. You know, white white and black doesn't make gray as far as breeding goes. You know, you you get a certain percentage that are towards the female certain percentage of are towards the male and and so so when we were having that question that that was exactly what we were talking about was we're really like okay well is there a genetic fault in enough uh, in this dog that we want to avoid and if that's the case we're not breeding correct to correct and we shouldn't do the breeding and her her stance was she was convinced that this dog was a um genetically sound dog. It it was a great hunting dog. It had every every aspect because this was her first dog. She made some training mistakes and Mm. um it, it those mistakes influenced where we were at in this training and it's why she failed in certain aspects of her training. It was based on her. But being being in this long enough, I know that we I mean we like to take credit for our dog's mistakes because it's easier for us to say, oh I messed up in my training. It was my fault that the dog didn't get to where where it should have been. You know, my next dog I know more I'll do better, but you the know, thing that, that you know
2: the thing there is she her and I see this i see and I know you and I kind of briefly touched on this there's nothing sure. to compare to, so in right. pe- people that have you know have their first dog or two they don't they don't have that uh experience with exactly with what it should look like or could look like because that's the only thing they have to go by
1: yeah there's no numbers underneath them they they don't know you know they don't see that pattern of behavior where you're like okay wow that's obviously genetic and i need to avoid that so you know and and it comes down to you know the dog gets to relatively around 5 years of age and they've already believing that they're about to lose that dog you know in the next 10 years I need to. I need that dog. I don't want to be absent without that dog. That's my best friend. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's my.
2: Yeah, I think we spend a lifetime trying to replicate stuff that we can't. That it's never going to be the same.
1: No, you you fall in love with this dog, and the dog is 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 your best friend. It it watches you. It it knows more things about you than you'll ever know about yourself. You know, if you think about a dog. You know, your 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 dog's already at the door before before you even realize that you want to go hunting. You know, your dog's already you you pick up the the set of keys. Your dog knows when you're going to work, and your dog knows when you're grabbing the gun and going hunting. You know, it, it's that dog is nothing to do but to spend time um, studying you and loving you and being with you. And so you got to understand that that level of loyalty is 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 such a treasure. For any dog owner, and when the dog gets to about five years of age, and you start thinking about, there's going to be a time where this dog's not going to be with me anymore. That that's that's a real heart-wrenching thought process to you know, living with a dog for 15 years, and and you guys have your same rituals, your same um, things that you do every single day that you depend on the dog, and when the dog's not there. That that's 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 hard. That's a hard time, and, you know. And to avoid that, you know, right around five years of age, you start thinking, start feeling that loss that isn't there yet, and you start thinking about where am I going to get my next dog, mm-hmm. you know. And for some folks, they're like, you know what, I'm going to breed this dog, you know, and it shouldn't be at five years. Of <laughs> Three years of age The younger, younger dogs do better when you're whelping litters, mm-hmm. and so so these older dogs that are breeding. you you have they don't have guidance from from a lot of folks to be like you know what You, you shouldn't be breeding this dog it's it's too old it doesn't have what you want you need to start a different narrative you need to start chase chase the genetics if you love the line you love what you have there's hopefully there's a breeding pool out there that you can follow and and that's that's an exciting process too you know that a lot of people don't think about is Chasing those genetics and chasing that that those dogs that are are connected to what you have maybe what you have isn't exactly what what you dreamed of but we, we just have because we fall in love with these dogs we just have this oh it's our fault we'll take blame for those problems when maybe they're genetic problems that we shouldn't be chasing you know and and it takes some guidance and yeah. there's a lot of information out there that that, that directs you towards Mm-hmm. I mean, how to breed, but not much that's out there that says you shouldn't breed.
2: Yeah, yeah, which leads us into, you know, you know, identifying the motivations to breed that dog.
1: Mm-hmm. That was kind of your yeah. next,
2: your next go to. Yeah. So talk about that. Yeah.
1: yeah, for us, I mean, for me, I, I want a hunting dog. I, I want, I want a dog that's out there ripping and tearing both in the field on the water. I want a dog that's biddable, which means I want a dog that's trainable. I want a dog that 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 has the genetic package to support me as a trainer in what what avenues I want to go down hunting wise and specific to species or for me it's I, I like I like blood tracking deer I like chasing rabbits I want a dog that has the fortitude to handle a ten degree day in January weather in, in Maine. you know that that that's a tough day on the water um, I want to be able to. We have in, in in Maine. We have pretty thick, dense brambles and cover that I need a dog that's not cover shy. That's willing to run through the black raspberries and thorns and the and have the fortitude to, 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 to push out and find game for me. You know, so I need to have a certain level of temperament in my dog that can handle pretty extreme situations. You yeah, know, and you and, and that's, that's if I just want to stay local. You know, our, our dogs are trained to be able to to. Um, go out west. If I want to go chase pheasants or huns or sharptails, you know, you know, it, it takes a day or two to get the, guys, get the dogs kind of zeroed in on those game birds. But um, these dogs can, can handle all, all type of north, south, east, west. Um, but it's, it's, it's super important that in my breeding process, in my training process, that I identify those dogs that I want to chase. You know, and if it's the dog that's in my house, fantastic. But there's a lot that goes behind making that decision to breed.
2: Right. Now, yeah. when, talk a little bit, because I don't think people um, talk about form. When you talk about form, yeah. just yeah. kind of give me your, your foresight on what, what that means to you.
1: Yeah, we're talking hips. We're talking elbows. We're talking bite. You know, are the teeth? do I have the right number of teeth? Or are they set right for good retrieving? Is there, is there genetic teeth or bite issues in my line? Is there, um, are the hips tight where I can, I can hunt 13? I mean, I have a currently a 13, almost 14, a couple months, 14 year old dog that's hunting nearly full days. You know, she, doesn't have hip issues, you know, where Ten years of age, the dog is suffering from joint problems. Right. Uh, um, there, there's, there's. Uh, if you think about a dog that runs through heavy cover, it's, it's. If you, watch a dog run. If the dog looks like it's putting in a lot of effort just to run around, yep. That's usually a structural issue. Yep. You know, you can see them. They're, they're, they're heavy footed, and you watch them running around. It, it's, it's a different movement than a dog that's very nimble. You can navigate um better you know those dogs last longer than those heavy footed heavy hard you know you can see it in the joints that they're they don't have the suspension and they don't have that that form to to, to do long days in the woods for for many many years you know it's going to wear on them in time and so those those if you don't have the right form and the structure to support what you're doing out in the field um you're 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 going to have a dog that's at home a lot, you know, nine, 10 years of age, you know, it has arthritis and it's not doing well, mm-hmm. you know, its quality of life goes down, you know, it's our responsibility to make sure that that structure is there to support what we're doing and that the dog has a long hunting life and, and that way we can, we can continue to hunt, but we also have a dog that's healthy and happy and, and pain-free, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I had this conversation with a friend of mine the other day. We sure. were, she, she, she was asking me about, um, cause we both have been in the police world. You know, it's mm-hmm. easy for me to go to your place and test a dog that's 10, 12, 13, 14 months old. I test a dog. I, I'm, the first thing I test him for is environmental stuff. And mm-hmm. now that they switched over to bear hunting, they're noticing that there is a huge difference in the environmental like the nerves of the dogs <clears throat> and they asked me the question like you know do when they breed when when people breed these these hounds are they is this something they're looking at are they trying to tighten these nerves up and and right. I'm like you know for me it's important but I can't tell you about everybody else like just like you're talking about the 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 form like the the bones everything all that stuff's very important to me and i that goes into my um that goes into my decision and breeding is a dog put up good just like you said are they nimble are they are they they float that's kind of the word, the thing that I like to see. Yep. They kind of just float. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And those dogs.
1: move effortlessly.
2: Yeah. yeah. They, they they last longer. Their endurance is longer. Mm-hmm. I like, I don't have the feet on my dogs. when I say they're not bad, but I've talked a little bit about pigment color. I've got mm-hmm. some dogs that have white and pink pads and I don't like that. Interesting. Um,
1: now, are you connecting the white and pink pads <laughs> to a negative structural issue? Not
2: structurally, but it, and that's something that um, we, I have talked about. Um, We're going to start paying a little bit more attention to, I wished I could put a color with a trait. You know, if the dog has this color, what traits come out of him? Because we don't, you know, Mm -hmm. within my breeding, it's mixed up. So Mm -hmm. I may have a dog that's a high tan, one looks like a purebred Walker Walker dog, and the other one may be a Heinz fifty-seven. You just don't know, right? Right. Um, so there's some and things. for us. Go
1: ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, for us, the the wider dogs, the field are, are connected to more of the field trial, the big running dogs, the really the ones that get out there or five hundred yards on open open ground, you know, or more. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they need those field trial. But for us up here in the Northeast. Those those whiter dogs often that are connected to those field trial lines. I mean, those dogs are getting out there too far for our tight covers.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. So similar to what you're going through.
2: Yeah, but I I want to put a, a darker pad because it, it the pads the the white and the the pink color mm-hmm. are soft. I have more foot issues. Yeah. Not not yeah. saying that the dogs are lame in the the joints. It's their feet take so much longer get to get tough. And they yep. can't. I can't run them day in and day out like I want. So that's right. something that within my my breeding program here that I'm right. working on. Like I I want to fix that.
1: Um, yep. And do you deal, deal with nails as well, and you know keeping the nails where they're hard nails that that aren't aren't you know peeling back and breaking. Correct. And, yes. Yeah.
2: And the lighter yeah. the lighter foot dogs seem to have. The white nails instead of the thick, dark nails, yeah yeah, which is exactly what you're talking about, but um the I want my dog put up right, I want him to have, like you said, a good gait, um a natural free moving gait i want you know I want things in certain places, um but anyway, back to what we were talking about, the environmental thing, you know, I don't know that hound hunters uh take that stuff, I'm not saying all. Because I'm sure there's yeah. some out there that do, but overall, overall, I don't know that that's a big issue for them. That maybe that we should look
1: at more so. Yeah, and I, th- I think you should in in that aspect of you know that temperament is also a learning temperament. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a dog that has the right temperament, a calm mind. You know, if, if you put it in certain environmental situations, it has a strong enough nervous system where it can think it's going to learn
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know where a dog is who's concerned or is a little softer and afraid of its environment and or of its training is you gotta tap dance around that dog a little bit mm-hmm. and so i i i would agree with you in that that temperament needs to be looked at you need you need to have a dog that can support pressure You know, you know, pressure does not necessarily mean punishment, but pressure Mm -hmm. in that you're, you're putting a certain level of training pressure on that dog that you're putting in environments that cause that dog some stress. Mm -hmm. And the dog has to think in those environments. And if you don't have a nervous system to support it, you're not going to get the learning you're hoping for. And that training process will will be a little bit longer Mm -hmm. or not at all. Yeah. So it depends on the dog.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that, that brought you into your next thing was how do you know if you should breed your dog? And you've kind of hit on that, but one of the things that you said in your article that, that sticks out to me is good hunting dogs campaign their selves.
1: Yeah. Yep. Like if you think about like we, we, we're, we're a part of a testing and a breeding organization with our dogs. Mm-hmm. So in, in that process, you know, you're, you're, people are seeing you know the talent in the dog it campaigns itself and then you got your buddies that are out hunting with you and they're kicking in your door saying hey I, I want one of these well then maybe maybe you're on the right track maybe if you got 10 really good buddies that are kicking in your door saying hey i want to hunt over this dog i want one of these dogs then then that that's a good reason you know to think about breeding there's a lot more that goes into it than that but at least at least a good dog campaigns itself. You shouldn't really have to advertise, mm-hmm. you know, in my opinion. Um, if, you're, if you're in the hunting world and you have a bunch of hunting friends, and especially if you're in like an organization like NAVDA or the NADKC, people are looking at your dogs. Mm-hmm. And you won't have to advertise for, for, to fill a litter. People, if you, if you mention that you're going to possibly be breeding your dogs, people are going to be, yeah, put me on your list. You know, and good dogs do that. If if you have to, if you have to look for a lot of different buyers, and you're not sure if you can fill your list, well, you probably shouldn't be breeding, because because those, you, you know, if if you're if you're putting hunting dogs out there for people that are serious hunters, well, you need ten to fifteen really good um, buyers. You know, and a lot of people get caught up with us because they come in, they're like, yeah, I got the money, I got the resources. I want one of your puppies. Well, <laughs> well hold on. <laughs> how many days did you hunt last year? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, how, what what level of hunter are you? I mean, are you green? Do you need some help? What supports um, are you going to need in, 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 in when we give you the stuff? And, you know, we, we really want to keep our dogs close because we want to know what we have genetically. We want to know we want to make sure that these dogs are going to hunting homes and not only if there's somebody that's new to hunting that's that's fine but you need to make sure you're coming every week to our group classes that are specific to those dogs you know we we're, we're putting training a year of training behind those those breedings and making sure that those folks are you know pushing those dogs where they need to go
2: Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, you know, that goes back to finding the right home. And it's like you said, it's a marriage. Like Mm. you're, you're tied to that person
1: for the life
2: life of that dog.
1: 100%. That that dog, that, that person's going to come to you. I mean, if you're, if you're putting yourself in a, as a breeder in a breeding situation, you know, you put that dog in a home, the first person that person's calling is you. Mm-hmm. If that dog is hurt, if that dog needs training, if that dog needs anything, that that person's coming to you, and you need to know what you're doing. And 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 if you don't, you shouldn't be breeding, because I guarantee. I had someone call me yesterday. You know, their dog ate some of New Year's chocolates. Uh-huh. Was like, oh, what do I do? You know, it, it's it's you're getting you're going to be getting phone calls for the life of that dog, and mm-hmm. people are going to need guidance from you. And so you need, you really need to know what you're doing.
2: So how do we, so Jason, how do we have a conversation when, when your, your, your girlfriend comes to you and says, I want to breed, yeah. I want to breed my dog. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I mean, I love you. You're my yeah. buddy. Like, man, <laughs> yeah, we go exactly. hunt together, but I, no. I can't do that. How do you have that yeah. conversation?
1: Yeah. You, it, First of all, you know, you have, you, you, put out the facts, you know, don't put out your feeling, put out the facts and then you, then you're patient from there on out because you got to let them think about it. And you got to, first of all, it's not a rush decision. If you feel like you're rushing into, okay, my dog's going to come and heat in the next month. I want to put the, it's, 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 you shouldn't be breeding at that point because you haven't done your legwork. It's a rush thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot that goes into it. So, for her, it was well. Tell me your faults of your dog. It's easy to tell me what you like about your dog. I, I personally, the dog was a great hunter. The dog, I mean, I would put that dog up against my own dogs as far as grouse and woodcock. I mean, that dog was phenomenal. Had strong pointing. I mean, it, she put a lot of time training into it. Mm-hmm. But at the same thing, the genetic package in that dog promoted very successful. Um, handling of birds in in our area, and and the dog was is just phenomenal. So I mean, she had that going for her. But but there was a temperament issue where if you put any level of, as long as you stay positive with this dog, the dog would do anything he asked you. The second it thought it had to do anything, then it, it was you no. Know, it's called passive disobedience. The mm-hmm. dog just refused. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the dog just refused to. Um, except any level of pressure, you know, and normally in the development of a puppy, you kind of tune it to a little, you get it used to a little bit of pressure here and there. And then, you know, you slowly guide it as it gets to a year of age, two years of age in that it can handle that pressure. But this dog's temperament and nervous system couldn't handle any level of pressure. And so I put the question of, do you really want to breed this? Oh my word. <laughs> I might as I might as well told her her kid was the worst kid on the planet because <laughs> it it went sideways in a hurry. Not bad. <laughs> yep. And um but I ha I, I couldn't morally not say that. I had to start thinking about it, which led 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 me to this article, like, well, what, what how how do you navigate this? How do you tell a person that maybe this isn't what you should be breeding? You know, and in the end we, we came up with the conclusion that, yeah, you know what? I, I think genetically the dog is sound. I think we, we came down to it being a training issue, a exposure issue early on. But, you know, what, what if it wasn't? What if it's a genetic thing? Well, that's an easy thing to answer. Well, your dog structurally is not sound, don't breathe. You know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and you, you, you just can't be matter of fact like that to, to folks because they're in love with what they have. They have a, these are good people with good dogs that just shouldn't be breeding. You know what I'm saying? It's it's a good person that 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 is is wants what they are in love with. Yeah. there's nothing wrong. With that. Yeah, it's you like know? it's
2: like our neighbors down the road. You know, Billy and John hunt together. They're good buddies, and yeah. you know, Billy's got a a, de- a decent dog, and John's got a decent dog. So we're buddies, and we hunt. So we're just going to breed those dogs. Which there's probably not a lot of forethought went into that breeding, and what's going to come out of it.
1: Right. Right. And there's, and and the side of that is, yeah, well, you get a dog and your buddy gets a dog, but then you're going to give the rest of those dogs to people that are depending on your, 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 your research. They're depending on your genetic packages to be successful in whatever the venues they want to chase. So what, who are you giving these dogs to and why are you giving it to them? Mm. I mean, where where are these puppies going? Are they going to pet homes? Are they going? If these are hunting homes. They better be good hunting dogs, you know. And because your neighbor lives three miles up the road, and your dog went out the front door and bred to your neighbor's dog, doesn't mean doesn't doesn't mean that that's going to be a good litter, you know. I mean, you need to do your legwork. You need to know what you're doing. And convenience definitely propels people to to breed, you know. I mean, I love my dog. I want my next dog, and. This person lives three miles up the road, I I'm gonna to breed to it. It's easy. You know, but not the right move. Maybe, maybe that dog isn't what you want to breed to. And and the ramifications of that can be severe. It could be temperament issues, these dogs could be biting people, these dogs could have um real, real um genetic problems where they're putting them down early or seizures or there's a lot that goes into breeding a dog that you're responsible for as a breeder. You need to know what you're doing. If you're breeding hip dysplasia and you're breeding other issues, then then that's wrong. You you shouldn't be breeding and you need to know what you're doing before you make the decision to breed. And it's hard to have that conversation with people. It's not easy. You gotta be thoughtful, you gotta put out the facts and you you, you gotta be tactful in what you're doing and, and you know, and and be patient, be patient with them because they're in love with those animals. Mm-hmm. And and they and they love what they're doing, and they love what they have, and they want to they want to share that with other folks. And there's nothing wrong with that, but maybe they shouldn't. And you just need to slowly give them the facts and kind of lead them in the right direction. You know, you know. And and if you have like a good reputation, it's easier to do that because people listen. (laughs) But if you're in a relationship with that, you know, (laughs) someone that's (laughs) not necessarily. the right person you may you, you may need to talk to some some experts in your breed or in your field that 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 can 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 be heard by those folks you know right where where, where they can say hey you know what I, I understand where you're at i've been there but you know what you shouldn't breed and this let me tell you why and these are the reasons and then you know if they can be heard then you can you can steer them in the right direction
2: well and yeah and <clears throat> that's, at least that's, um, there's a two part thing to this one too. So, and right. I feel like when we breed, and I, I need to do better myself, but it should always be to better that bloodline or that mm-hmm. that hand. Yeah, it should yeah. always be to better it, not not maintain it, mm-hmm. but better it.
1: Yeah, you're breeding correct <clears throat> to correct. You got a correct dog. It has everything. There's no reason that you need to breed away. Well, every dog, no dog's perfect. Right. But, you know, but but you fall within the form and function of your breed. You know, there's something to be said that you need to be breeding those dogs because you need to put the genetic pool out there. Those dogs need to be bred. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if people are, are, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not saying that that only very elite people should be breeding the dogs. Um, you just need to be breeding the right genetics and the right temperaments and 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 what those breeds are bred for to the same thing. You need to be correct to correct, you know, those genetics need to be put out there. You know, if your pool is shallow, I mean, you're running into issues. You're running, I mean, you can, you can, you can taint those waters real quick. So I I think it's, it's super important that breeders are out there and that we have the breeders to support each breed for sure. I mean, I, I think that that's important, but you know, if you're not, if, but if, you shouldn't be breeding then there's needs to be some support systems you know and there's a lot of breed organizations and testing organizations that will lead people to these answers but if you're outside of those realms then it takes a very tactful person to kind of lead you in the right answers
2: yeah i and the the correct to the correct was the the next part of what i was going to ask you which leads me to the next thing so um I I have a lot of friends, acquaintances in Europe because that's where we get our dogs, our police dogs from. <clears throat> and in the hound world, like the breedings are, are so different. The guys that from Europe, most, most of the guys that I deal with, they do not they do not line breed. You mm-hmm. said that earlier that you breed outcross to outcross, basically, yep, correct? Exactly. <clears throat> and then I have some friends in Europe that will only line breed, but it's got to be in the third generation. There can yeah. be no dogs the same unless it's three generations back.
1: Because that's where everything shows
2: itself. Well, yeah. So yeah. for you, I want to pick your brain a little bit. When sure. you're breeding breed, and this goes back to the correct to the correct, when you're yeah. outcropping, for us, like for, yeah. for the hound world, we're, we're looking for a set of traits the same as you. I'm looking for, you know, confirmation um form is a big thing for me um yep. i'm looking for you know i'm i'm looking for stamina i'm looking for a dog that's mm-hmm. got a decent nose and that can trail yep. and will will stay with that track when it gets hard and then once he gets that track up and moving jumped i want him to have the speed and the endurance and the i want to say grit but now when i say grit i'm not meaning grab a hold of it and hold on i mean he's got the stay power to stay with that animal Until it trees or till I can get to him. So I'm looking for a lot (laughs) of different genetics. And I've had more success line breeding um, dogs that I've had over the last 20-some years than I've had outcrossing. Now, educate me and help me with what you do and how it works.
1: So so innately, we're looking for hunting dogs. Mm -hmm. So we we need... We need dogs that have had um, boots on the ground. We we, we want we, we're chasing those genetics that um, where if we're breeding to a sire, it has enough experience and exposure on the ground that and and testing for us and NAVDA and in the NADKC that we know that that dog both has success and talent to support what we want. Um, we need we need like you said like like any hunting dog. We need a strong nose. We need a dog that's cooperative. We need a dog that has drive and desire mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, the desire is a piece that, that, that you can see, you, it, it's in, in, it's in its talent in the field and in testing. And and it's a super important piece that we, we, we chase in, in our dogs. So for us, when we're breeding, you know, I mean, they, they, they each of these dogs have been put through um, testing organizations that, you know, they get us in the ballpark or what we want, but, in the end, we need hunting dogs. You know, we don't want testing dogs. We want dogs that have had success in the field and have proven that they have that desire and drive and that substance that 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 putty that we play with enough of it where where we want to breed to it. If you know what I'm saying.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, that, if that answers the question. Yes.
2: What age are you looking at? Because I've got some. I, I have known that people are breeding some dogs at, you know, a year and a half, two years old. And I've, for me, I've got a female that's four years old right now, and I've just finished her out and I'm just now looking to breed her.
1: Right. So if you think about like, I mean, the health of the dog, a younger dog, a a young, not a young dog, but a younger, you're talking three years of age, you know, Mm -hmm. those dogs can handle litters. Medically better than 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 an older seven-year-old dog, so so you you we do push our dogs into that younger three four years of age. Um, you start getting to a year and a half, then I don't know that that dog has enough experience put underneath it for you to be like, yeah, that's a breedable dog. Mm-hmm. You know, you've been through all of your testing. Likely, you've been close close to I mean, two two years of age. You're 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 pushing near your, that. You're you're done on the, as far as the young dog proving grounds go, as far as testing goes. But, um, how many, how many, I mean, you only have two seasons under the dog. Mm-hmm. If that, you know, and so you breeding under what information would be my question, you know, I mean, do you have enough exposure and experience with that dog to say that should be great? I don't know. No, I, I, I would probably say you don't. Yep. You know, if you have two seasons under the dog, then you're starting to get in the pattern of behavior. You know, um, three seasons for sure. You, right. You're you're locked in. You know exactly what you have by three years of age.
2: And I think that goes no, back like to the
1: maturity of the dog <laughs> and what it's going to be is four or five years. You know, the dog is gets older and settles in. It gets better. But I would say at least around, right around three years of age, you get a pretty good, solid feeling of what the dog's substance is and if it's worth breeding.
2: And I think that goes back to picking your home for the pup and how much, because what I hunt may not be what, you know, Billy Bob down the road hunts. Right. Like I I hunt as much as I possibly can. I mean, my vacations, like, I mean, I take off a couple months a year and spend in the woods and, you know, not everybody has that opportunity. So, a, a certain person may know more about their dog at that age than others.
1: Right. So you you spent three three years with that dog or two to, two to three years with that dog running it. As much as you run it, you're going to find out what your structural issues are. Mm-hmm. You're going to find out the limitations in your dog because you're going to push that dog to its limits. And then things are going to start arising and come to the surface that you're like, wow, okay, I thought the dog was fantastic at that, but maybe it isn't holding that track. Maybe it's, it's, it's pulling off a little too soon or getting, it doesn't have the, the, the structure to run all day. It's, it, it's, it's, it's not, um, it's getting hurt. It's getting injured a lot. Uh, what's going on with that, you know? And so th- those things arise w- with exposure and experience. And so I agree with you a hundred percent that, that, you know, that two to three years of age, you you, you get enough information there that you can make a very informed decision if you should breed or not.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, do, when you go to breed, do you know the background of, and I know you do like hunting wise, but yeah. how far back do you do your research? Like you go three generations. Do you try to find out four or five?
1: Uh, well, whatever the pedigree was for, but it's usually like five, five generations. We'll we'll go back. We know the lines and, and, um, um, we know, we know, both, both in Germany for us, in Germany and stateside, we, we know what those lines produce, you know, the the pattern of behavior that we see with specific lines. So we, we have enough history where we can be like, oh, oh no, <laughs> you doubled up on that. I don't want to chase that at all. I want to avoid that. That, that comes with problems. Yes. You know, in in breeding, we, we, we learn that about dogs is certain lines have um, temperaments and traits that, that may be not conducive to what, what you want, but that comes with, with experience.
2: And how long does it take you to find, like, so if you breed, breed dog A and B this year, how long does it take you to know that this is not something I want or I'm getting, I'm getting genetics from five generations back?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, puppies, you know, a lot of people, um, are looking at the final product, which I think is a mistake. You know, mm-hmm. puppies give the most information because they're so raw and they are what they are. So when you're looking at that that dog that that's under two years of age, you're you're dealing with just genetics. You know, as the older they get, you know, especially after a year of age, you know, the training masks a lot of what the dog is. You know, but if you're looking at a young pup, they are what they are you know and you get to see those things right from the get go and that's why we like to keep our our breedings and, and our buyers, you know, pretty close to us um so that way we can we can keep our hands on the pups. Mm-hmm. That's why we provide a year of training with, with our dogs up to the first level of testing is because we want we want those dogs um in our hands so we we know what we have because we're breeding towards our next dogs. Right. You know, we're 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 not big breeders. We're just breeding to trying to create the best hunting dog we can for, for others, but more along self it's really for ourselves.
2: I got you. I understand. Yeah. So Jason, with, with, with what you've wrote, is there anything we've left out or something that you want to highlight or hit on um, with yeah, the
1: tough you know, decisions? In, in the end, you know, we want, I, I don't want to poo poo people from breeding to be honest with you. I, I, I think it's important that folks, remember that you know we need those genetics out there we need those good dogs to to be reproducing so we have those genetics and we can we we can keep those good lines going no matter what the breed is a great dog no matter what you're hunting is the most amazing thing to hunt behind and we need to keep supporting one another in that and i and i and with that in mind as organizations as this podcast goes as um, hunting hunting enthusiasts go. We need to take care of one another and, and and support each other and reach out to one another and be like, hey, yeah, I I think you need to breed that dog. I know you don't want to, um, but we need to find reasons for you to do that, or or just the opposite. You, I know you want to breed that dog, but I don't think you should. You know, and and we love what we do, and we all love dogs, and it's important that we take care of each other and try to try to support one another in that and And if your dog is just not what it should be to be bred, well, then go chase those genetics. That is as much fun as as being a breeder you know there's there's equally amount of important work that goes into you chasing your next dog and those genetics and I think that's that's worthy and honorable in itself that that folks you know spending that time and do that piece as well. And educate one another, and find resources to to keep that going. Um, so if you're not if if you, if if you come in the end, you're not going to breed that dog. That's okay. You know because there's excitement and, and some some great things that can happen just just chasing the genetics, and and that that's a lot of fun too.
2: Yeah, and I mean we and you said it earlier. We all started somewhere. Like we we exactly. weren't breeding. We went and got our dog from somebody. You yep. know, our first dog
1: somewhere.
2: Yep. Yeah. And I mean, I've, um, you know, I still have some of the, the bloodline that I had 20 years ago, but that bloodline's watered down. Um, it's not where it was or what it was and half of that's my fault. Um, and I had to, I had to venture out and find something else. And, yeah. you know, I that's, that's what I've done. And I'm trying to establish that now, um, with what I'm doing, yeah. so yeah, I mean it. It's okay that you know as as, as disappointing as it was for me, um, I'm still as happy like with the other line of dogs that I've got now. Like I'm still doing what I love to do, and I'm still catching game. Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, it's it's the it's not short term; it's long term for for me.
1: So. Yeah, And if you think about whatever that you're running, you think about in the end, is that pool of genetics that you're putting forward in your breedings or not breedings, is that, are you bettering the breed? And that will answer all your questions for you. Yeah. You know, I mean, are you bettering your line? Because in the end, what's going to happen? You're going to have to pull a dog from that pool. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're improving that line, you're you're improving your chances of finding that next great hunting dog.
2: Yeah, and real quick, because I know we we're probably pushing our hour. But so, okay. what if you like? So for me, like I told you that the pads on my dogs are something that I'm working on. Um, yeah. How so? If you have a dog that is like it's what you want, but you want to improve that dog, mm-hmm. are you going to? find the mate for that dog that has that quality or in this case, it's, it's confirmation. It's not actually confirmation with me, but are you going to find the dog that has that specifically? or Are you looking for overall picture with that
1: to fix it? Exactly. Well, I mean, if I'm fixing a problem, I better be really specific about what that problem is. And mm-hmm. if because you know, a lot of people, believe you can fix it in one generation it may take nine generations to fix the problem yeah so if you're if you're breeding away from a problem uh you may want to have some conversations with some breeders and some people that have been in the field a while to to, to, to figure out how how much breeding it's going to take for you to change that and maybe you shouldn't be breeding that so you, you shouldn't again you should be breeding correct to correct and not away from problems we all mm-hmm. we all have things we like better mm-hmm Um, and and that's, that's what you should be chasing. But in the end, your dog should be correct. If you're going to make the decision to breed it. Right. Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, Jason, like I said, I really appreciate your knowledge, your time. Um, I've really enjoyed reading your articles and guys, if you want to read the articles, just go to, um, projectupland.com and you can pull up. They've got a lot of, lot of good articles in there. And just because it's not a hound, what we are hunting doesn't mean you can't take something from it, learn from it um, because we're all doing the same thing. We're all trying to better our breed. We're all trying to um, get the, 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 the hunting dog that, that suits us the most. And it doesn't matter what it is because everybody in most dog breeds are, are striving for the same thing. So if you guys want to go do that, I'll put, I'll put a link to it on the, the show notes um, Jason, is there anything else you want to touch on or, or leave us with?
1: No, I just like to wish everybody a happy New Year's. And may all the uh, 2023 be all the blessings you ever wish it to be. And uh, get out there, hunt those dogs, and uh, love them up for me. Yeah.
2: So, Jason, in every podcast, I leave with the saying, and thank you for helping us teach, train, and definitely learn
1: on breeding. Thank you, Heath.